Sorry to interrupt the usual beginning to this podcast, but I need your help. You see, we're coming to the end of this series of God's glorious grace. We've almost completed the section of Ephesians 1 that we set out to journey through. And to mark this special occasion, we would love to have a final episode interacting with you, the listener at home. I'm sure we've said all sorts of things that made you stop and think, maybe wonder if we were right, maybe we've got you questioning something, and we would love to have your contribution to the conversation for a final rounding off episode. So if you have a question or something to add to the conversation, we'd love for you to get in touch. Podcast at hopeharrogate.co.uk is the email address that you need. Please do let us know your thoughts. But for now, here's the usual beginning. Welcome to God's Glorious Grace, a podcast from Hope Church Harrogate, where we are asking the question, have we really understood the grace of God? We're taking a deep dive into Ephesians chapter 1, considering a phrase of that chapter in each episode, and asking first what it teaches us about God, and second, how that affects our lives, hopefully with a good dose of warmth and fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. not me being nothing but it's not me being everything either that that in Christ I have access to all of this and therefore in Christ I find my purpose and I find my joy and I find my calling and that um, that the greatest thing of my life is that I am in Christ it's not just our identification with him it's also his identification with us and that that's really helpful for understanding the bigger picture, understanding who God is and his heart. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of God's Glorious Grace. I'm Adam, leader of the team at Hope Church Harrogate. With me today, as always, my good friends Rachel Turner. Hello. And Mark Hewitt. Hi there. And we are in episode 13 of our series through Ephesians chapter 1 and enjoying the symmetry of being in verse 13 in episode 13, looking at the phrase uh, included in Christ. And we've got some big stuff, good theology and some outstanding practical stuff that we're going to dive into through this episode. But as always, we start by setting the phrase and the verse in context. And so we're going to read from verse 11 through to the end of verse 14. And Rachel, it's your turn to narrate for us today. Right. Now, I am reading from the NIV. And so just as a sort of remember what we said last week about how all the other versions had a different phrase. And so we went with that phrase. Uh, and it's in the footnote here. So you might not hear that phrase this time because I'm NIV. It says, in him, we were all chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Great. Thanks, Rach. And so through this, we've, we've got uh, a 
very clear message coming over from Paul. There's some we's and you's that go through there as well, as Paul is identifying, talking about the Jewish and Gentile coming together. But what unites them is that they are both. You also were included in Christ. We were and you also were. Uh, Any Christian is included in Christ, is what Paul's saying. And that's where we're going to land. We're going to look at this phrase included in Christ. Perhaps we want to start with what that means for us and what that means for him in terms of there's an identification of us with Jesus and also of him with us. Um, Who'd like to pick that up to to start us off? Uh, I'll just tell a little bit of a story. So um, many years ago, I happened to be uh, going up to London at the same time as my daughter, Amy, uh, was going off to school and uh, they went to school in a different town. Uh, which meant a train journey. So uh, we walk down to the station together. We get into the station. I'm at the ticket office and she kisses me and I kiss her goodbye and wish her a happy day. She was about 17 at the time. And the lady in front of me wheels round in a very Seven Oaks fashion and said, well, that's very embarrassing for her, isn't it? And, And I was deeply shocked. But really what offended this lady was my identification with her and her identification with me. And I am, when we talk about identification, I am just amazed at what this verse is pointing us to and God's humility uh, that he's happy for me to bear his name. But more than that, he's happy to be united with me and me united with him. He, uh, we were saying earlier in Hebrews, it talks about God is not ashamed to call us sons and daughters. He's not ashamed of us. And uh, for me, this is the great thing of the, the level of unity, the level of union, the level of in him that we have, that uh, I am in him and he resides in me. And so uh, for me, it just speaks of, of God's, he, he, he's not wearing PPE. He comes mm-hmm. in the fullness of who he is and dwells in, in human flesh. That's extraordinary. It says something amazing about the humility of God. And of course, humility means <clears throat> approachability, doesn't it? When, when someone is so humble, it draws us into who they are. And I think this just speaks of our father in an extraordinary way in heaven, that his humility means I want to be with him. It draws me into the very nature of who he is. I think it might be helpful just to take a step back because I, I I sometimes, when I listen to things like this, get sucked into the sort of the in-himness of it. And, and people like Mark are so good at explaining like, oh, yes, it's wonderful. And, and I sometimes lose it then because I, I lose the definition of like, what does it actually mean to be in him? And so... Can we just take a moment for those of us who who are coming new to this idea a bit more? When it says in him, does that mean, what does that mean? It doesn't mean we stop being us. Does it mean that that he is in us and we in him? Like there's so much that is in there. The words in him come up a lot in the New Testament. And I think, I think as we dive into this, it might just be helpful to take a step back and start with, when when it says in scripture in christ in him what what is that shorthand for 
because I think we've we've taken the whole of scripture and we imbue it into these words when we talk about that. But could you just give a definition, Adam, for what this 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 short shorthand of in Christ in Him? What does what does that mean? Um, well, as you say, Rachel, as you volunteer me for this, um, yes. we, we take the whole story of the Bible and we condense it into a phrase in Him, and so you, we've not probably got long enough for a very good, uh, but. I think one of the ways I think about it is Paul compares being in Christ within Adam in the book of Romans. And so as someone called Adam, that's a little bit confusing. But really what he's getting at is, you know, the whole of humanity um, is um, in Adam, is under Adam, has come from him. And from Adam is what we're understanding is the story of Adam and Eve where humanity has rebelled against God, chosen their own way. Um, and the the whole of the Old Testament is the promise that one day it would be changed, that another would come. And so you've got this great longing for someone to come from God, to defeat evil, to set humanity free, um, to be the one that um, would do what Adam and Eve failed to do. And that's Jesus who turns up, lives the perfect life uh, and lives totally connected with God. And I mean, I find the book of John very confusing because I lose track uh, you know, you've got to be, you'll be in me as I am in the Father and the Father is in me and then stuff will be one. And and I, my brain can't quite conceive of it all. But Jesus lives as close to God as it is possible to be, intimate, related, friends, Father, Son. Um, and so he has this incredible relationship with God as a human. But then he also goes to the, the cross and he dies and he rises again into new life, the first of the new creation that's coming, the beginning of the eternal age of heaven, which is perfect. And so when we talk about being in Christ, there's both the movement from we leave the the state of humanity that's in Adam and become in Christ. There's the we get caught up in the relationship uh, that Jesus, the son, has with God, the father. We go through the cross and death with him. His death becomes our death. We come out the other side of the grave into life. His life becomes our life. Uh, And so really what we're talking about is it is as if we have gone into him and lived his life and died his death and now live his life on the other side. Um, It's not just that he's our mate, like he's not the cool kid from the year above that you hang out with outside school, but won't look at you in school. Um, It is we are fundamentally identified at a core level with him in every way. His name, his heritage, his inheritance, as we talked last time out etc 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 um do you is that succinct enough and comprehensive enough for you excellent well i think that's so clear because i think sometimes it can become the the super christian phrase that we all pull out with when we can't quite articulate what we mean uh, is the sort of in christ so sort of we sort of slap it on everything (laughs) i think that's a really helpful explanation that 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 definition is not just because of jesus but there is something about being in christ that as mark was saying you know, buys this relationship, this identification, uh, because because we have come into that, and I, I I really appreciate that. I think that was really clear and helpful to sort of give us that that baseline for understanding what we're talking about, because we are talking about he's not just your mate, and it's not just a because of, but there's a, a living in that is is really important to begin to understand and embrace uh, in, in that season. And I think I think what, what's really helpful is we can. 
I think I have so often approached the phrase in Christ in terms of what it means for me, so my identification with him. But I really love the fact that even from the beginning bit that Mark brought us in, there's it's not just our identification with him. It's also his identification with us. And that that's really helpful for understanding the bigger picture, understanding who God is and his heart. It isn't just that with a stowaway on the train carriage that have managed to sneak into Jesus and he doesn't know about it, but you know, he, he has included us in, you know, he's, and yeah, as, as Mark said, Hebrews two, Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. It's incredible. Let's look at it from that angle and that dynamic as well. I think you raised a really good question about our identity. So do we all become blobs? You know, even the phrase becoming like Christ, it can, can seem, do, do, does, do I get erased? And, I, and there's two areas, I think, which, which help me with this. One is marriage, you know, that in, in a good marriage, two become one, but that doesn't mean the two disappear. The, 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 the two remain, but there is this blend, this unity. And, and I think our safety is the revealed understanding of Trinity. God in three persons, we we have clearly distinctions in personality and, and and in function, don't we? Have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, totally equal, totally united in one. God is one, uh, and, and yet we have this distinction. And so, when I am in Christ, the my utter uniqueness remains. My my one in how many billions have lived on the earth? I don't know. Nine billion of us has there been in all of history? I don't know. But but that uniqueness remains, and and that's a that's an incredible thing. So the value of who I am as Mark Hewitt remains in this incredible uh, bringing into Christ. So so I think that genuine fear is: do I do I disappear? You know, even the phrase, well, all, yeah. all God sees is Jesus, which is often said, can mean that, well, then I, I'm an irrelevance. Well, that undermines that whole thing of God is pleased to identify with us. Um, he doesn't erase me. In fact, he celebrates. We'll see this with trophies of grace. He celebrates our, 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 our uniqueness and the uniqueness of the relationship that he has with us like a father with his multiple children would have, you know, I have a unique relationship with each one of my six children. They are all unique and we have a unique relationship. So it is with God. So I think yeah. it's, it's a really important thing that uh, we, we see that in Christ doesn't mean that um, I lose me. In fact, rather the better me, the enhanced me, the, the me as God always intended to be comes to the surface, which is wonderful. Mm. Fantastic. That's a great introduction to understanding the phrase. And we've seen some really important things about God as well. As we've gone through that first part, we are hitting half time, time for our half time oranges. Uh, last week, I played a trumpet. This week, we'll play the flute. They sound very similar because it's really just my pen. But that's your theme music for this week. Half time oranges with Rachel Turner. Great. I'm very excited. We're playing a game today. Right. We're playing the five second game. And I don't know if you've played the five second game before. So the five second game is I give you a topic, say brands of gum. And I then you then have to name three in five seconds. You will get a point if you can do it. 
And then the other person will have a turn for their own topic. I have a little chart of scores. <laughs> for you. So I have six things. Each of you will have three turns, five seconds. So we'll start with Adam. I will name a topic. You then have five seconds to name three things. If you can do it, you get a point. If you don't, play along at home. Adam, <clears throat> three things that you cannot do in the dark. Ready, steady, go. See, walk on a tightrope and draw a circle correctly. That took very good. That's two. See, see? walk on a tightrope. Oh, see. <laughs> here, obviously here. <laughs> Excellent. One point to Adam. He successfully did that. Mark, you ready? Nay, oh, hold on, I have to get my timer out because I have to be very fair. Right, name three Williams. Go. William the Conqueror, William Tell. Eh, time's up. Oh, five seconds is harsh. Ooh, I would have spoke quicker. William oh, Barton, other one. No, yeah. You don't get the point. But it was a good try. What was your, do you, do you have a third one that you were heading for? Yeah, William Barclay. William Barclay. Interesting. Wow. So I would have gone straight for Prince William, but I like how yeah. you were really digging deep. Oh, but that's uh, Prince right. William, not William. I don't know. Said a word. It's fine. All right. So here we go. All right, Adam, you ready? Ready. Name three airports. Go. Gatwick, Heathrow, and Stansted. Oh. Very good. Very good. Another point to Adam. Right, Mark. Name three flavors of ice cream. Go. Pistachio, vanilla, chocolate. <laughs> Point to Mark. We're two to one. Two to one, folks. Starting with pistachio is bold. go <laughs> to. <laughs> All right, here we go. Adam, name three things that fit under a bed. Go. Uh, a drawer, a doll, and a book. <laughs> nice. Good. Mark. Name three sounds. <laughs> Honk, silence, the sound of silence. <laughs> Fine. Well, that was a storm away. Adam won with Well done, speaking. Adam. Well done, Adam. Well done, Adam. Very good. His history of youth ministry probably prepped him for that, but... Just have to say that was good. I was waiting for Mark to make three silly sounds in that last one. <laughs> <laughs> it was the naming of them. That was the trick. <laughs> I was also very tempted if I had had the William question just to go, William, William and William. <laughs> <laughs> Name three Williams. Hey, technically, no, I would have accepted that. Nice. Good, good. This thanks. Thanks. There we go. Anyway, some more. Just play the five-second game in your home. It's very fun and short. If you're stuck in a car, useful. <laughs> Brilliant. Right. Refocus. Part two. Included in Christ. So we've talked about how we are now in Christ. We've talked about what that means. We've talked about the beauty of what it's not just one way, but it's two way that God has accepted us. Uh, and is uh, identifies with us 
we want to move on to looking now at what that means in our everyday lives because those are theoretical things, right? How do those things, how does the rubber hit the road in my afternoon that's coming up to know that I am included in Christ? And does anybody want to kick us off with with a way they think that the rubber does hit the road? I think for me, that I think Mark was really helpful in that last segment about talking about do we become blobs? Because for me, I think I really wrestled with that idea because the way it had been described to me is you sort of like put on the cloak of Jesus. Like you come before God and you'll get smited unless you put on, you know, you hide underneath Jesus's skirt, you know, like there was this sense of needing to be anyone but you to get in. Mm -hmm. And I found that, um, that the way Mark was describing it, that sense of God delighting in us and creating us. um, So powerful because I think it can be easy to feel like, well, people used to quote the John the Baptist thing, you know, he must, you know, I must decrease and he must increase the sense of emptying ourselves of everything of who we are so that we can become like Christ, like it's a denial of everything of us. And I think there's there's something of, of us in similar to marriage, bringing the fullness of us to it and saying, I want to be who I've been made to be. And I want to be comfortable that God delights in me uh, is, is part of the journey for me of being in Christ, that I can be so close to Christ that there is nothing that I can hide that I, I say, know me and know all of my weaknesses and my embarrassing bits and that I, in him, can be the fullness of me, even though I'm not finished yet, that I find a really comforting thing. Um, I can, when I'm, when I'm struggling with depression or when I've said I'm going to eat a salad today and then I don't for the 15th day in a row, I'm not embarrassed or hide from God, but that I run to him because he's the one who knows me the best. And that he will sit with me in my in-betweenness and my not finished yet and my failures. And I, I now delight in the in himness of being known and being faulty and yet still being treasured, I think is, is a really powerful thing. But it also means that I can remove all sense of me having to be accomplished, that I have to accomplish my way into mm-hmm. the kingdom, that, um, that it's not me being nothing but it's not me being everything either that that in Christ I have access to all of this and therefore in Christ I find my purpose and I find my joy and I find my calling and that um that the greatest thing of my life is that I am in Christ and so for me it's really worked out in this legacy idea of you know there's so many people who say what have I left behind or what am I you know what am what is the impact and I genuinely feel like I don't need anyone to remember my name or ever ascribe anything to me when I'm gone because the greatest purpose of my life is to serve him and be in Christ and be used the way he wants me to. And, and I, I don't need a monument to me or for anyone to remember me in any specific way, because my goal is for God to know me, not for my name to be known. And I think that has relieved a lot of pressure, um, it, it also makes it really awkward in meetings where people are like, what's the legacy you want to leave behind? And I'm like, I don't, I have no ambition for any legacy because I just want to be known by God <laughs> and be used by him. <laughs> by him. One. Um, yes. But for me, it's been very releasing. That's really helpful, Rach. And like, I've often thought about um, that John the Baptist phrase, he must increase and I must decrease. And I've, I've heard various people you know, say things slightly controversial about it. And I've had one or two, you know, interesting discussions where you thought 
does it mean this? And I think there's, there's two ways of understanding it, both of which you've drawn out really helpfully, which is this just isn't about my reputation or my accomplishments or my significance. It's, it's got to be about his reputation, his significance. Like, it's, it's all him because I am in him. It's, you know, anything good I do should be is it his account, not mine anyway. Um, but that doesn't mean that I have to become this unrecognizable beige camouflage thing that's unseen. Actually, God has made me and I need to be the fullness of myself, living in the fullness of relationship with God. And yes, there are some bits that I've been taking off. I'm not talking about the bits that we all know in our lives that don't honor God. Those bits need refining. Uh, but God has in mind a very, very uh, good Adam. And I want to be the fullness of that. Um, but I don't want the whole world, as you were saying, to remember that Adam is great. I'd much rather than remember that Jesus is great. And so you've got those twin dynamics in that phrase. And I think it's really helpful because so often you just hear it. And really what you hear is, you know, you just need to be quiet. You need to be nice like Jesus. And um, and there's, there's something that's lacking in, in that understanding. Very good. Very helpful. I think for, for me, the, the whole reality of this uh, Christ in me by the spirit and me in Christ, um, I think I've grown up with. Uh, and um, uh, in my younger days, it was very much, I suppose, even taught, you know, Jesus goes where you go. And that was meant to be a, a protector from going to places where you shouldn't go uh, as a teenager, uh, uh, as a young man. Um, but as I've grown up and, and understood about the grace of God more and more, this whole thing that Jesus said, I will send you another helper who will live in you and be with you, has been a tre tremendous help for me. Um, and, and I think I'm still growing in the outworking of that. You know, so when, when the Bible says, you know, greater is he that is in you that is in the world, you think, oh, that, that, that's right. That there is... There is this reality that the one living in me is the creator of the heavens and, and, and the earths. And he is there not as a passive passenger, though. Interestingly, I think sometimes he is the guest that's there, but not included in the conversation. Um, but for me, that that reality that in a nanosecond, I can turn and, and draw on that whatever I, I, I need and whatever is required in that moment. And, and I think increasingly realizing that um, I can descale uh, the importance of my contribution because actually it, I want him to flow through me because if you come to me to get some advice and what you get is Mark, it's not quite the same as coming to me and, and receiving through Mark, yeah, but actually receiving something of him. Actually, you won't go away so disappointed, uh, in my opinion. <laughs> um, but So I think the, the reality that where I go, Christ goes too, it is very significant. And I, I, I would love to see that uh, in increased. And, and just more recently, just been caught up with that whole thing of Peter you know, walking through the streets and his shadow healed people. The very presence of God in him 
was around him. And, and the same with Paul and his apron. You know, they went and laid it on people. And, 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 and I, I just want more of that, that actually I'm living out of that flow, that in me, rivers of living water flow out of me. And, but it's, as you say, Rach, it's not this pressure thing. It's not something I've got to pump up. It's something that is there to be tapped into, to be turned to, to be drawn on. Uh, and in fact, that thing we said about God being humble towards us, it's about my humility that says, right now, God, I need you. Right now, I am utterly dependent on you. This day, as I'm sitting in bed praying and, and seeking you for this day, giving it to you, I need you, God. I need you to be with me. And of course, mm. he loves that. He wants to come with Mark on his journey. And, and I think yeah. that's that's great. And there's also at the other direction as well, isn't there? It's not just that he goes where I go, but that I can go where he goes. Yeah. <clears throat> and so it's I want to get caught up in what he's doing. Yeah. It's not it's not you know, two single people, two individuals living under the same roof. Actually, yeah. I want to be involved with what he's doing. I want to be involved with the work of Jesus. I want to follow him. I want to put my hands to the stuff that his hands are on. And uh, it, it's not just it, one way or the other. It's both because we're included in him. He's not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters and we call him our older brother too. It's, it's both. And that's, we can tend to lean one way or the other, but it's really important. I think that we, we see both. And I'm, I'm sure for listeners, you know, they'll be in a place in their journey where one is more real for them or they've given more consideration to one. And actually hearing both sides again and again can help steer and correct us, actually. It's, it's often both. I think that's a really important um, thing to, to go on the journey of. I, I remember when I started off in theatre, I was a teenager, kid, teenager. And, I, and that was one of the first things that I really in my discipleship became very aware of is, this this pressure from the church to sort of like bring Christ into those places. And I remember walking into a dressing room and hearing people, you know, as a teenager, Christian kid, there was a lot of talk about sex and a lot of drugs and a lot of stuff that I was seeing and experiencing. And I remember walking into the room and God just saying, can you see me? And I remember thinking, gosh, this isn't a godless place. This is a place where God is in the midst of it. And I began to, as a teenager, just walk into the room and say, what are we doing today? And he would be like, right, I want you to pray for this person. I want you to have this conversation. It became a sort of a, a sense of learning that that in Christ, Christ was there before I walk in. And that sense of partnering with him is so intriguing that every hospital room I go into or every place I, I go, he has been before and is in the midst of doing something that I can in him do with him is a, a beautiful release i think of the pressure of, of feeling that it's my job to bring god into places um, when actually it's my job job to to be in him and see where he is and continue to be in him and i, and I find that really uh, opens up the whole thing that jesus said didn't he uh, in john 15 abide in me and i abide in you and what comes out of that abiding is fruitfulness. And what does that fruitfulness? It says it brings glory to the Father. And, 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 and so that whole thing of, of living in him and him living in us, the natural consequence of that is, is fruitfulness. And, and we can screw ourselves up trying to produce fruit 
when actually it's more about our connectedness. You know, the the, the branch is connected uh, to the vine, and the, and just and just in that very nature of that is is the thing. And, and what I love about what Jesus said, of course, we get very hung up on character, and character is important, not undermining character. But in what he said about the vine and the branches, of course, it's the father who is the vine keeper. He's the one who's pruning. He's the one who's who's sorting the character out. What we focus in on is our connectedness. And that's this whole being one in Christ. This whole uh, thing that we're talking about being in him is about that connectedness of which the fruitfulness that comes from that. And of course, you know, when we look at the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, they are character wrapped up things as well, aren't they? But mm. they come not through striving. They come through our connectedness uh, with him. And so I, I think that's great because, again, the pressure is off. The yeah. pressure is off. Where, where where do we hone in on? We hone in on our connectedness, which yeah. obviously means listening to the Father and, and, and listening to the voice of the Spirit and, and, that, and, and that whole relational thing rather than a list thing, I, I find very exciting. I, I, again, I think coming from a pre-charismatic background and pre-grace background, there was this, this pressure this week. Have you sp- spoken to three people about Jesus? Have you? And, and, and I understand the heart behind that, but of course it was, it was pharisaical. It, it had the list. It wasn't from abiding. It wasn't from resting. It was from a different pressure. And I think that's uh, that's one of the wonderful things that this whole being united to Christ releases us from is is from this pharisaical, this pressure to perform, as we've already said, because actually it's about abiding in Christ. It's my connection, this glorious connection, which we've talked about this morning, just flowing through my life. I think that's very exciting. I love Eugene Peterson's translation of John 15 there, which is make your home in me. I don't really know what abide means, but I can make my home somewhere. Mm. Wonderful. Mm. Wonderful. Rachel, beforehand, you were telling us quite an entertaining story around the topic of belonging, which is obviously another place that this uh, bottoms out for us in that we belong somewhere. We've been welcomed somewhere. And uh, would you like to tell us the story? Sure, sure. Uh, I was in uh, I was in New York with my family on holiday, and we were just walking around, and we thought, "Oh, let's catch the opera," because my mom loves opera, and we had opera tickets. And so we just went to see if there were any standing tickets only, and we did. And so we bought these standing tickets, and we had been walking around New York all day. I mean, we were sweaty, we were gross, we were in jeans and t-shirts and all sorts of stuff. And we walked into the front doors, and we were surrounded by people in full blown evening wear, like with, with diamonds and tiaras and like, like tr- dresses with trains and men with tails. And we realized this is new year's Eve at the Metropolitan Opera. And this is a gala. We walked into a gala and there is no other way to the fifth balcony than up the main staircase. And so there are all these people who have paid thousands of pounds to come to, to elegantly sweep up these staircase with paparazzi and around looking at things. And then there was me and my family with bad hair and jeans and, and <laughs> we thought our feet would hurt walking up the middle. And I have never had the most, it was, I would say the most humiliating experience of my life. I mean, the opera was amazing, but the, the judgment and the disgust and that people looked at us with and, t- and spoke to us, you know, behind the back and this mutterings, we just brought down the quality and it was so humiliating. I've never felt so, 
out of place and unwanted before. That's And I feel that sometimes people feel that about the church or about God, the sense of, I don't belong. I am so dirty. I am inappropriate. I This is not, I don't belong here. And, and it was, it was, it has stuck in my mind, this sort of moment. I never want to feel that way again, but I feel like we often make ourselves feel that way about God, that the kingdom, that the church is all looking at us, judging us for that. And this in him robs us of the um, justification for that, because we, if we are in him, then we belong more than anything else. And whatever we look like and whatever part of our journey is that, but um, don't go to the opera on New Year's Eve. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh I feel I feel your pain and making someone tell the story about their most humiliating moment is perhaps not great pastoral ministry but such a helpful picture and so true so many people feel out of place and yet the truth of this means it if that's how you feel then it isn't a true representation of what Jesus has done because you do belong I think that's a great landing place as we come to close uh, this considering what it means to be included in Christ. Mark, would you pray for us as we come in to finish? Yeah, Father, we yet again are a bit lost for words over the wonder of who you are, that you would so associate us that there would be nothing between us, that not only did you incarnate yourself in Jesus, in a human form and live amongst us, but you choose to incarnate yourself in each and every one of your children and desire to live there and for us to be included in you, in Jesus. And we just want to say thank you. Thank you so much, Father, for this extraordinary salvation that you have brought us into. We know it came at a huge cost We know, Jesus, you paid a dreadful price for us, but we just want to say we are so grateful. And we do ask you, Holy Spirit, even now, would you take this from being a concept of being in him to the practical reality of what it means to live every day in Christ and Christ in us? Uh, We pray for the manifest and the manifold realities of what that would mean right now. Would you bring it home to our hearts and into our feet, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks. That was a really helpful episode, I think. Thanks very much. I hope you feel the same at home, listener. Uh, We're going to move from this week, looking at what it is to be included in Christ, to next week, looking at what it is to be marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. And so that's verse 13 next week on the podcast. We hope you can join us, released Wednesday mornings. Uh, In the meantime, why don't you send this podcast on to someone that you think might enjoy it or benefit from it. You could leave us a rating or review if you liked, preferably five stars. Or you could get in touch with us, podcast.hopeharrogate.co.uk. We'd love to hear uh, what you've made of it, any things that have stood out or helped you or any questions that this series has raised for you and we hope to address them in a future episode but for now thank you so much for being with us have a great week bye from me and bye from my friends bye. Bye. Thank you.